Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. And at sunburymotors.com. And recapping a anticlimactic and rather stunning championship game last night. That was, especially in the first five minutes, defense from Baylor unlike I've ever seen. What we saw in the first first part of the first half last night was a complete ambush. Everyone wants to call it domination, and yeah, you can use all the the adjectives you want, but I think the best way to describe that was just a total ambush. Nowhere for Drew Timmy to go. No room for Gonzaga to work with. We saw such tremendous ball movement, and Steve and Dick Girardi talked about that yesterday, of how efficient they've been in moving the ball. And Baylor, of course, has been too, and they did that flawlessly last night on the offensive end. But... Between that and then also, they were just so active defensively that Gonzaga literally just had nowhere to go, couldn't even dribble, and that just rattled them. And it was just stunning to see how Baylor was just exploded onward, ambushed them, and really didn't look back at all. A couple of times where you thought maybe Gonzaga can finally find their rhythm and work their way back into the game, they get it down to 10 at halftime. They get it down to 13 after the f- under 16 or under f- under 12 media timeout in the second half, and you thought, maybe. But <laughs> Baylor saved their best defensive performance for last, and they've had a lot of good defensive performances. That was just total ambush. And I- I'll tell you something else, too, about Scott Drew. This is already one of the greatest coaching turnarounds you're going to see in the history of college basketball. If he can win another championship or two, he'll definitely put himself in the conversation for greatest of all time. To take him that this program to where it was now and to navig- and to do it while navigating through a very difficult year with COVID and what happened to them in particular 
it's it's remarkable. It it is just remarkable coaching. It was a tremendous game plan they put together last night. Obviously executed to perfection. And that was just a tremendous performance by Baylor. And congratulations to them. That's, of course, their first title in program history. That was just... That was a defensive clinic. We've seen a lot of offensive clinics, and they even did their own last night. But that was a complete defensive clinic. What also helped them early on was knocking down three-point shots. Because they were able to work the ball in the perimeter a little bit better, that's where I thought Gonzaga would win and have the advantage was still being able to knock down enough shots to win the game from the outside where they've been consistent, and that's where a lot of teams have been able to fully stop them. They've been able to slow them down like UCLA did. If you contain Drew Timmy, I mean, he still got his points last night. But guys would hit shots from the outside. That didn't happen from Gonzaga barely at all last night. Suggs, non-factor pretty much. It was it was just it was just tremendous what we saw from Baylor. And overall for the tournament, I I, give, I would give it a solid B plus. I think this was a pretty pretty good tournament overall from considering everything. Of course, only one game affected by the outbreak or by the pandemic, I should say. So that's the first plus right there. And there are a lot of good games, a lot of good storylines. Had a little bit of a thumper and a somewhat of a non-competitive championship game last night. But you know what? It was just stunning to watch with the way Baylor took control early. So that puts a bow on this season. Of course, we'll get Steve's thoughts in a little bit once he joins us from the Sunbury Motors studio. And secondly, the Phil's off to a 4-0 start. Fourth time ever. And just a, a classic Mets debacle again. And I'm with everybody. I don't know why you take out DeGrom, especially the amount of success he's had against the Phil's. Had it been a larger margin... Okay, I can, and you want to save him for the rest of the season? Okay, I can see him maybe taking him out. But a 2 nothing game, no. You got to keep him in there. And the Mets pay for it. Phillies find a way to scrap their way through. Oh, <laughs> what, three out of four of these wins have been come from behind? So you can't ask for a better start for the Phillies. And, of course, the bullpen. A difference, what a difference a year makes. I mean, you, and they haven't really made that many major upgrades but it's just a new year, new energy, and they've got it working so far. And we'll see what happens tonight with Game 2, of course, over on Eagle 107 with coverage beginning at 6.30 and 7.05 first pitch. Neil Kulong on the show today as well with the latest on the NFL offseason and the Steelers offseason. Latest there, the Falcons saying they are willing to trade down from number four. And I guess they might be able to get some traffic there, but if you're a team looking for a quarterback, you're going to be out of luck because, as we see it now, quarterbacks are going to be one, two, three, but if, if there's somebody else in particular you may want to get, then, of course, you go up and get your guy. 
unless maybe that's New England if they believe in Mac Jones. That'll be another fascinating dynamic to this draft. So we'll talk to Neil about that and more with the Steelers, too, in particular. Coming up on the show today. And we want to hear from you, too, on last night's game. 1-800-795-9565. 1-800-795-9565. Steve will rejoin us from the Sunbury Motors studio with his thoughts on the championship game and more after this here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury. Welcome to the world of rebooting. Yeah, I told uh, Matt to have the suit hit your end on the side. <laughs> I mean, because yeah, that's what he did. Because uh, the uh, because there's some of the parts there that were made in the old Soviet Union, and all they understand is force. Uh, so <laughs> That's how I understand it, too. But we got it to work. We're good now. <laughs> I, I'm over here. and you know, I'm rebooting it. I'm unplugging it. I'm rebooting it. I'm unplugging it. <laughs> I mean, that does help. We came back that, and made we, things work unlike Gonzaga last night. Gonzaga made nothing work. <laughs> Neil Kulong today. We know he'll work. Always. You think about it, Baylor's run, there's only one game where they got pushed to the max, and that was Villanova. Villanova led them at halftime. And this is where you got to catch a break along the way. Villanova's playing that game without Colin Gillespie. Ah, the world of rebooting. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kid, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory. What a great day to go out to the lot, isn't it? Look around. Okay, start dreaming a little bit. Make your dreams come true. Buy a vehicle. Great pre-owned inventory as well. You know, sales staff's going to work with you. Your budget means a lot to them. That's why they have so much repeat business. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Baylor was dominant start to finish last night. But I will get into one quick point that Dick Girardi and I made yesterday, that we had a feeling, based on the remaining pool, who the officials might be. And I'm not going to get into the name of the official, but right away an offensive foul was called on Suggs, which was just a terrible call. I mean, terrible. It's a no call. Let them play. Let them play. Don't insert yourself into the game. Let them play. Again, repeating, don't insert yourself into the game. Then then Suggs did commit a second foul, which he legitimately grabbed an arm. Right? And suddenly one of the best players in the game, one of the best players, one of the better players in the country is on the bench. Because of a foul he did commit and one where you inserted yourself in the game. People did not tune in 
in droves to watch you officiate the game. They tuned in to watch, among others, Jalen Suggs play the game. But Gonzaga looked like a team. There's, there's several points here. Number one, Baylor was better. Baylor was quicker. Their rotations defensively were just outstanding. Mitchell's a fabulous defender. The quickness, how they double, how they switch. Their offensive rebounding was huge in the game. But how often do we talk about, all the time, Dick Girardi and myself, usually the team that wins the two lines wins the game. The two lines are the free throw line and the three-point line. Last night, the final score was 86-70. to How much did Baylor beat Gonzaga from the two lines last night? By 16 points. What was the final margin? 16. Yes. You need, in today's game, to win the two lines. Gonzaga is no better than an okay three-point shooting team. Always has been like that. They're a brilliant passing team. They get really good shots. Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga shot 40, uh, excuse me, Gonzaga shot 51% last night. Did you know that? I don't think people realize that. Gonzaga shot 51% last night. Baylor shot 44.5%. I don't think people would have any clue. You'd think that the numbers were reversed. Gonzaga shot 51%. Baylor shot 44.5%. But Baylor ended up getting 18 more shots in the game. I think they had 67 shots, and Gonzaga took 49 because of the offensive rebounding. Killed them on the boards. There's also one other element that Gonzaga cannot control. And I'm going to get now, and I'm going to transition this point into the point about quarterbacks in the NFL draft in a moment. So they're going to dovetail each other. When we talk about the little guy all the time, Sue was always big on the little guy. Of course. Right. Very big on the little guy. But the problem with the little guy is this. They don't have to go through when they're when you usually the the really great little guy is just way better than the other little guys. Okay. And when you look at Baylor, Baylor had to play Oklahoma State a couple times, Kansas a couple times. They had to play Texas Tech. Had to play Texas. You're going through this constant grind of teams over and over again where you can't breathe. Mark Few knows this. It's This is not Mark Few's fault. Mark Few knows that is the issue. That's why Gonzaga schedules the way it does in the non-conference. Gonzaga played a terrific non-conference schedule. They played Kansas. They played West Virginia. And, yes, we're scheduled to play Baylor. Got uh, canceled because of COVID. Gonzaga played Iowa. But the problem is, is that when they get to the West Coast Conference, 
and they have to play a steady diet of two and a half months of Loyola, Portland State. St. Mary's is good, not great. BYU is good, not great. But that's the steady diet of team that they get over and over and over and over and over. They're just so much better than they are. Now they get to the tournament. And to their credit in the tournament, they were great against everybody until finally they got to UCLA. And to, to Gonzaga's credit, to Gonzaga's credit, against UCLA, sometimes a team in that spot feels that they have something to lose, and they start playing that way, like they have something to lose. Gonzaga, to its credit, played to win against a team in UCLA that was absolutely playing to win. And they got through the game. Last night's game reminded me of watching the Heat and Lakers in Game 5, where the Heat won the game with a fabulous performance. But then the next night, or maybe it was two days later, they played Game 6, and the Heat had nothing left. Baylor was ready. They were quick. The only time they got challenged in the tournament was Villanova, and they finally, in the second half, four, six straight turnovers at one point, took control and won the game. It's the only game this year Villanova lost when leading at halftime. Baylor was great the entire tournament. And I think what happens with a program like Baylor is that you're playing great competition all the time, all the time, all the time. It's It gets to the point where iron can eventually sharpen iron. You feel like Gonzaga is a point where Mark Few knows the way he schedules his non-conference, that when he gets to his conference, they're just way better. And you have to openly ask the question, does iron sharpen iron for two and a half months? Now, in the tournament, Gonzaga played great until last night. And then last night, Baylor was just much, much better. Much better. But the two lines, I said yesterday Baylor needed to hit a dozen threes to win. They had 10. They had 10. And part of it is they stopped shooting threes down the stretch. The better team won the national title. Now let's get to the quarterbacks and use the same point. So let's go from basketball to football, and we'll use the same point. I'm going to get into this with Neil Kulon. We all know Trevor Lawrence is the first overall pick in the draft, and he should be. He should be. Um, I'm getting interesting emails. Um, so Trevor Lawrence look the ACC is good competition but for the most part there's a lot of good teams there there are no great teams Notre Dame is close but Trevor Lawrence still has proven himself as to how you know he played the Ohio State game in the national semifinal two years ago against Alabama in the national championship game, how he played against Notre Dame in the ACC title game. He's played against, you know, in those circumstances, great competition. And for the most part, not always, but, always, you know, the second Alabama title game, he didn't play that great. The game against Ohio State the second time through last year, eh, eh. But against Notre Dame, he was fabulous. 
And when they won the title against Alabama, he was fabulous. And that semifinal game in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, he was fabulous. He's proven himself in the big moments, big stage. But now let's get to everybody else. What I find mystifying is the evaluation of Justin Fields. Justin Fields, to me, is accurate, accurate deep ball, accurate short ball, and can run. Remember Ohio State struggled with COVID. He played in the uh, Big Ten Championship game. Fields didn't play that well in the Big Ten Championship game, but he didn't have Chris Olave. And with all due respect, please do not take this as an insult to the great fans around the area. But Julian Fleming is not Chris Olave. Now, down the road, can Julian Fleming be really good? Sure, of course he can. But he's not. He's not in his category yet. And that's who he had to turn to against Northwestern was Julian Fleming. That wasn't Chris Olave. And on this day... Julian Fleming isn't Chris Olave. Doesn't take a genius. Okay, if if you have any kind of fairness in you, you understand exactly what I'm saying. It's not a put down. It's a compliment to Chris Olave. Also, Northwestern, their defense is absolutely better than every defense Zach Wilson played this year. I didn't say Clemson. I didn't say Alabama. I said Northwestern. Northwestern's defense is better than every defense that Zach Wilson of BYU played this year. Then after that, he then had to play Clemson's defense, which is better than every defense that Zach Wilson faced this year. And to the credit of Fields, he played a terrific game against Clemson and got hurt and showed guts. And then, of course, against Alabama, he hung in for a long time against them. That's who he's been playing. With all due respect to Zach Wilson, who brings wonderful, natural quarterback gifts to the table, with all due respect to Trey Lance, who brings wonderful, natural quarterback gifts to the table. Who the heck have they played? The best game that Zach Wilson was involved in last year was Coastal Carolina. If Coastal Carolina is announced tomorrow as being on Penn State's schedule, all of you are going, that's nice, they had a good season last year, but really? That's not the marquee game of the year. They're going to play Coastal Carolina this week and Auburn the next. Now, which one does get you more excited? With all due respect to BYU, the game was set up in the middle of the week.
And we just talked to Dave Cicchini yesterday about, hey, you found out on Wednesday it was Lehigh. What was that in the mad scramble that went on? Well, BYU did have to do the same thing with Coastal Carolina. The difference is that instead of busing to Bethlehem like Bucknell did, they had to fly from Provo to Myrtle Beach. So I do understand that. But he didn't play well in that game. He has wonderful natural quarterback gifts, but who did they play? Trey Lance, North Dakota State. Incredible natural gifts. Big arm, can run. But who do they play? I can evaluate Justin Fields far better than I can evaluate the other guys because I've seen him play Penn State twice. I've seen him twice in person, obviously. But I've seen him play Penn State twice. I saw him play a year ago against Michigan. I saw him play Clemson twice. I saw him play Alabama. I saw him play Wisconsin twice. He's got a body of work and success. As opposed to Zach Wilson, I thought he looked great against Coastal Carolina. Man, I thought he looked tremendous against Navy. Oh, boy. Trey Lance, he was terrific against Northern Iowa. Okay. All right. So I think we saw last night the value. Now, first of all, Baylor's terrific team. But Baylor was into the category of great team, iron sharpening iron all the time. Gonzaga, great team, but went for two and a half months of facing a couple of really good teams. But... I mean, that's, that's why, and then I look at the quarterbacks, I see the same thing. That's why Mac Jones is intriguing, because Mac Jones has played against great competition. He's had to play against Ohio State. He's had to play against Notre Dame. He's had to play against LSU a couple times. He's had to play against Auburn a couple times. I mean, so he's, he's had to do things like that. Oh, I just got a great email from the Big Ten. Ohio State uh, Varsity 8 named Rowing Boat of the Week. You, sir, are my hero. To me, success is just getting back to the shore. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome, everybody. We are on the road to the Final Four. The first full day of NCAA tournament basketball in two years. The ball is tipped. Five seconds for the time. Washington. to the championship game. Got it back, ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Sox for the win. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Yeah, the guy that hit the shot, like, the referee got him out of the game fast last night. Good job. Uh, Let him play. (laughs) Okay, we want to watch him play. I don't want to watch you ref. <laughs> okay, the first foul, the second foul is an absolute foul. The first foul is like, what are you calling that for? No good, no good, no good. Exit stage right. Hey. <laughs> <sighs> It's a charge. No, it actually isn't. <laughs> okay, it really isn't. Just let him play. Second foul is an absolute foul. Like, and it had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. It's just you sit there and you're like, oh great. You know, if I had to handpick any, you notice I haven't mentioned his name yet. If I had to handpick anybody that would do that, he was the guy. Okay, great. Not a foul. Let them play. Right, the guy's always sliding over. He's sliding over. He's always let me slide. No, no, he sort of establishes, but no, he didn't. He's moving. Get out of the way. Okay, college basketball needs to make some changes. The dribble handoff, okay, and the screen. Just let him play. Don't call it. Keep offense in the game. Stop on the block charge. Okay, ninety plus percent of them happen to be blocks. Okay. You'd be amazed that guys will stop taking contact as soon as they realize the foul's on them. <laughs> you need more offense in the game. That's what made the, the Gonzaga-UCLA game was awesome because it was 93-90. High pace, good shots. It was exciting. Instead of like, no good, it's a grinder, it's 42-40. Oh... But we had eight charges called. It was great. College basketball has got to figure out how to put more offense in, and I just gave you two reasons to do it. 